Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. You just pray. Pray for your neighborhood. And then you pray like, okay, Lord, do you want me to open up my home? Or do you want me to be a leader? Then you just start praying about that. What I want to do is just be true to what the word says. And if Jesus took his disciples out and he showed them the crowds and that the harvest is plentiful, well, I want him to show me the same thing. And I think he has, but I want him to show you that same thing. And then I want us to react like kind of how he was telling the disciples. So the harvest is plentiful. Well, now we need to pray for the laborers. In our walk with Christ, it's easy to feel stagnant in our work for the kingdom. We pray, we love on others, and we try to be the image of Jesus. But are we truly being the light that he wants us to be? In today's message, Pastor James wants you to know that if you want to usher those who are lost into his kingdom, all you need to do is simply pray. Instead of getting caught up in the motions of what being a good Christian looks like, quiet your soul and seek God through prayer. He will show the harvest. Answer his calling. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Mark chapter 6 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. can be very discouraging because what you're passionate about what you care about you care you see the people you have compassion on the people but then when you go to express that or minister to them and it's not received in fact it's not only just not received but it's thrown back in your face that's discouraging but that's sometimes how it goes it's not all the time praise God for that but you need somebody with you your ride or die with you, who's like, knows how to like pick you up. You know, it's the Ecclesiastes things where it's a, the, the cord of three strands. It's like you and your ministry homie, whoever that is. If it's your spouse, sweet, praise God for that. If it's the best friend or whoever, you need those two strands for sure. The third strand will always be Jesus. And that's what you need. And you're going to go out and you're going to serve the Lord you want that accountability. You need somebody who can lift you up when you've been knocked down. And that's, that's generally the, the why the two by two. No lone rangers, no lone rangers in, in this thing called Christianity. That's actually how, uh, well, that's how pastors fall. Um, just be honest with you. That's, that's why you don't hear of some names anymore in the Christian realm. And it may look like they got a, they got a team, they got a staff, but they have no accountability. And then that's the dumbest thing a pastor could ever do. It's the most foolish thing you could ever do, uh, especially when you're walking around with a big target on your back. Two by two, two by two. Never forsake whoever that other person is that the Lord has placed there for you. Because when they're, they're there to help pick you up, but when they go down, you're there to help pick them up, and it should be just a beautiful, harmonious thing, Okay. So they go, send them out to two by two. Um, oh, also, this is, I found this kind of fascinating. Um, so we do offerings here. I don't know if you know that, because we never talk about it, and that's my fault. Um, but we do. We have two boxes back there. Uh, and I found a wood one, and I put it in that room where the coffee is. Uh, not to collect money, but if you put money in there, can you tell somebody? Because I will never remember that that's in there. And uh, so anyways, um, but we do offerings and all that. But our system is you have two people counting. 
And that actually is connected. That's the way the, in Jewish culture, that's the way they would do it as well. So you have, you know, accountability, right? So you don't want like Judas, you know, handling the money bags for us. Cause if you know his story, he is like pocketing some of that money, serving, walking with Jesus and he's pocketing money from the offering. I'm like, so you got two people collecting and counting the money and all that good stuff. That's also part of that two by two thing. John the Baptist sent out his disciples two by two. And here we see Jesus sending out his two by two as well. Um, so that's the reason why for the two, two by two. He says the next key to this thing is he gave them authority over unclean spirits. So here's Jesus commissioning these disciples to go on this little mini mission trip kind of a thing into the cities, into the surrounding villages, and he's going to give them authority. He's, they will now have authority over these unclean spirits because what they're going to encounter, especially if you understand the Gospels, the demonic activity when Jesus, the Messiah, showed up onto this planet was through the roof. It was through the roof, okay? So if the demons knew what was up back then, I hope we know what's up today because they recognized when Jesus showed up and it, it disturbed them. So Jesus is giving his, his uh, disciples authority to cast out demons, to cast out demons. We've talked about this before. I don't think demonic possession is a major issue for us these days because we're just so distracted. We're so distracted. I mean, demonic possession could be, it's a tactic of the enemy. America doesn't need, I mean, is there, I believe there are demon-possessed people, and I believe that they can be set free by the name of Jesus Christ. There is no, no name greater than his name, no name more powerful than his name. But I think by and large, we don't see a lot of it because... The other tool and tactic of Satan is very effective in this country, and it's called distraction. And we're so like this, this, you know, walking around like this, and we gotta go see those chiropractors because our necks are all jacked up because it's just like this all the time. And and but we don't see the crowds. We when you don't see the crowds, you don't see the oppression, you don't see the 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 warfare that's going on out there as well. But in this day. Jesus is going around, and the demonic activity is through the roof. And so he commissions his guys. He, so he's going to, he instructs them to see the people, and then he instructs them, then the next step is to pray. But then the step after that, third step, is to go. And he doesn't just send them out powerless. He sends them out with all his, with his authority. So he commissions them, and he sends them out. The next part of this whole thing is, is, pretty, um, is pretty brilliant. Verse 8 uh, says, He charged them to take nothing for their journey except a staff. No bread, no bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and put on, uh, not put on two tunics. And he said to them, whenever you enter uh, into a house, stay there until you depart from there. So just so you understand, like, he, so he's, he's, he's shown them the how, he, he's explained to them the why, and that's the biggest question, right? It's because people need, they need this. They need us to go. But this next part is like, he's like, but don't take anything. And this kind of goes, this is like counter church planning today. And I know there's other church planners and they have different methods and all this good stuff. They, they want to plan out for, you know, a year's worth of time, and you build your team, and you raise your funds, and all that good stuff, and then you go get them. Well, here, Jesus is like, all right, you see all the people? Cool. Um, pray and go. All right, what do we take? Just take what you have. 
but don't we need to raise some funds? I'm not against raising funds. I want to communicate that. But I also think that that sometimes is a crutch. And the sad reality is that is for a lot of churches that spend so much time raising up $100,000 to go out and plant a church, they don't make it. They don't make it. I like Jesus' model right here where he's like, see the need? Sweet, go. Go. Pray. Pray that the Lord will bring the helpers. And he will. But he's going to start with you. So go. What do I need to pack? What do I need to take? Just take what you have. Take what you have. I love this principle. I love this principle because my family and I have lived out this principle. And it wasn't like we was read, you know, reading the same through the gospel of Mark. And I was like, you know what? We need to do this. That's not how it worked for us. It was just like, Lord's like, hey, see that? See the need down there? Go. Cool. Just me and the family. Yeah, just you and the family. Don't worry, I, got, I have laborers down there. I have laborers down there. You'll start off, uh, from what I knew, it's a little Bible study connected to Calvary Houston, one of their home fellowships. But you start off with just a handful of people, Dwayne, Patricia, Billy, in his office, <laughs> Thursday nights, and you're like, all right, here we are. What did we take with us? We just we sold as much as we could, and we took what we had. We took what we had because we were raised, so to speak, on this principle that um, Chuck Smith used to say this all the time, where God guides, he provides. I was like, okay. So if the church and if ministry is his business, then I'll let him handle his business. I mean, I don't, I'm all for strategies. I'm all for being wise and planning. Nobody builds a house and doesn't make plans for that. There's wisdom behind that for sure. But there's also another element to this whole story where Jesus is like, no, you see the people who are lost? You see the people? You see these guys who are like sheep without a shepherd? That requires action now. But I need, I need to raise up a team. Don't worry about it. Just pray. Okay, cool. Um, I need to, we need, what about our money bags? Leave them at home. I'll take care of you. Just go. That, that still applies today. And that actually applies to all areas of our lives, whether you're a church planner or not. The Lord can put certain people on your heart and it's calling you to minister there. And he's like, look, I'll solve all the issues. I'll take care of the problems for you. All I need you to do is just to show up. I just need you to go. He's always looking for somebody to go. Always looking for somebody to go. Don't let that opportunity pass you by. Because if we don't want to step up, oh, there's somebody else who will. There's somebody else who will. I could have been in disobedience and been like, you know what, Lord, I'm good in Amarillo. Um, pretty secure in my job up there. Uh, things are going really well and all that. And so I'm just going to pass on this. And you know what he would have done? moved on to somebody else. He would have found somebody else for, Cal for Galveston. It doesn't have to be me. It didn't have to be my family. But he chose us because we said, it sounds like fun. Actually, it sounds like craziness. But uh, we'll go. We'll go. And we did. And just like these disciples, the Lord's like, see the need? See that? OK, start praying. But here's what I need you to do. I need you to go. You got to start it. You have to go. You got to go for it. 
And that's what they do. And they don't have to bring anything with them. And he even tells them, like, when you go to a house and you're received, then hang out with those people. Hang out with those people. What am I supposed to do? He already answered all those questions. He's like, just do what I've been doing. Just tell them what I've been telling everybody else. You don't have to come up with a new message. You don't have to do anything like that. What Jesus' main message was, repent. Repent. Turn from your sins. The king is here. The Messiah is here. Turn from your sins. Give your life to the Lord Jesus. Follow him. That's the message. That's the message John the Baptist was preaching. That's the message Jesus was preaching. That's the message the apostles were preaching in the book of Acts and including Paul within that. The message is, you need Jesus. You need Jesus. You need a savior. I don't need to make you feel good about anything. I need, I need you to understand that you're a sinner. And I know within our very thin-skinned society nowadays, that's an offensive thing, and people will get up and they'll leave churches and all that good stuff. Guess what? We're all sinners. We're all sinners. I don't know what this is, what's so surprising about that, what's so shocking about, or even offensive about that. We're all sinners and in desperate need of a Savior. 20 years of walking with Jesus, the thing that I've learned that's, you know, been actually a stronger conviction of mine more so now than even at the beginning was that, man, Lord, I'm a sinner and I need you so much. I'm not like 20 years into it thinking like, yeah, man, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I'm growing. I'm like, I never want to be there. The more, and you know the deal, the more you walk with him, the more you sit at his feet, the more you realize I'm wretched. I am wretched. The message is that of repentance. The message is that of like, look, you're a sinner, but here's the solution. His name is Jesus, and he died for those sins. So yeah, you, can't, you're, you are a sinner, but you can be a sinner saved by the grace of God. It's a beautiful message. That's actually a message the people in the world are longing to hear. They're longing to hear that. We need to be available. We need to go. The, the, he's given you the, the, the how, the when, the why, the where, and all that stuff. He's answered all the questions. He's like, I just need somebody to go. And so he, he continues on. He's like, well, what if you come across somebody who doesn't want you there? Well, this is a practice that the Jews would, would use when they go through a Gentile city. Once they got through a Gentile city, walking through it, at the edge of the town, what they do is they shake the dust off their feet. It's symbolizing like, I'm not going to bring any of that with me on the journey. So Jesus tells his disciples, like, look, if you go into a town or village and you're, it's not, the gospel's not received, well, then just shake the dust off your feet and move on. This is a freeing thing. This is a freeing thing for us because we get in this mindset of like, I have to stay here on this thing until everybody changes. That's actually counterproductive. And really, honestly, that's not even biblical. The Lord's like, go, go talk to that person. You talk to them. They won't hear anything that you have to say. I'm just going to keep talking. I'm going to keep talking until finally I break through. I've been with people, street witnessing that were like that. I'm like, hey, they're not here. They're not listening. Let's leave. Let's, there's other, we're missing other opportunities. 
So maybe the Lord has it set for that person at another time. That's not my business. I can't save anybody. Neither can you. I can't change anybody. Neither can you. So if you're hitting a brick wall, wisdom would say, go around. Go somewhere else. Like, oh, no, I know, it's this person. I'm gunning for this person. Well, if they're not hearing it, maybe they're not meant to hear it from you. Maybe the Lord has somebody else. We have to trust that he is sovereign and that he is in control and that he loves so-and-so way more than you ever will. And he knows how to send the right messenger at the right time who's going to say the exact same thing you've been saying for so many years, and they just show up and they're like, hey, you want to receive Jesus? And they're like, absolutely. And you're like, what? That's not fair. Lord's like, dude, you wasted so much time. Just get moving. Like, go. He knows how to do these things. He can, he can, he can work beyond us, and, and all we need to do is just keep showing up. And if you, you bump into an obstacle, shake the dust off your feet and move on. Move on. And don't feel guilty about that. Because your, their salvation does not lie in your hands. We take that on ourselves so personally as if like, but if I stop, then they die and go to hell. That's my fault. No, it's their fault because they're a sinner who rejected Jesus. You did your job. You shared the gospel. That's all he's asked you to do. The needs are tremendous. The needs are tremendous. But he, he just breaks it down for him so simply, so beautifully. In verse 12, the key to the whole thing is they saw the need that Jesus, they, they got to see a glimpse of what Jesus was seeing and the harvest and the laborers, and they pray, and he sends them out. In verse 12, so they went out. They obeyed. They went out and proclaimed the, uh, that the people should repent. What do we say as they go two by two, and some head that way and this way and this way? What, what do we say? Would you just keep, let's just say what he said. There's no, better, there's no better message. No better message. If you're like, well, I don't know what to tell people. Tell them what Jesus said. Just tell them what Jesus said. The only way you'll know what Jesus said is if you're actually spending time in this thing, reading it. This is it, guys. This is it. You camp out here, and, and if you're like, I don't know where to go, I don't know where to start, stay in the Gospels. Camp out in the Gospels for quite a while. And then when you encounter people, you're like, I don't know what to say. Say what Jesus said. Just say what he said. It's, it's very simple. And you don't, you know, don't throw in the, like, the King James and all that good stuff. Don't get weird on people. If that's not how you normally speak, then, my goodness, don't try to, like, Talk how you normally talk. But Jesus said a whole lot of beautiful things and a whole lot of good things. Sometimes what people, what people need to hear is not my words. It's not my wisdom. They need to hear Jesus. And that's why we store up his word within our hearts. So when that situation or that scenario pops up and the Lord's like, well, the Holy Spirit begins pressing upon you, like, go talk to them. You say, okay, I don't know what to say, so you're going to have to do it for me, but I will go. Too many times I've shut down the conversation where I'm like, no, Holy Spirit, no. I mean, I told him no, and I disobeyed. I have. Because I'm like, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say, and I just shut him down. Quench the Holy Spirit. Then I have to repent of that. 
And the Holy Spirit's just like, look, just go. I'll give you the words. Just go. I'll give you the words. You have to trust him. That's what the disciples did. They did this practically. They went out and they said, they just repeated basically to a certain extent what they had been hearing Jesus talk about the whole time. It says they cast out many demons. They anointed with oil many who were sick and they healed them. That's a, that's a really cool thing, really cool practice, um, anointing with oil. I have uh, oil here. Uh, we always keep this on hand in case anybody wants us to anoint them with oil and pray over them. Um, the book of James talks about that. So when anybody's sick, we'll call upon the elders. They'll anoint you with oil and they'll pray over you. We ha- I always have this. Um, I used to have it in a keychain, but then it like rusted through there. And then it, I had a big oil spot on my pants, and that was not cool. Um, so I keep it in a jar up here at the pulpit. Um, and you know what? As cool as this oil, oil of gladness is, um, it's frankincense and myrrh. There's nothing special about the oil. I mean, you could empty this thing out and fill it up with olive oil. It doesn't matter. It's not, it's not the oil. It has nothing to do with the oil. It's, the oil is just a representation of, you know, who, who has the power. For the lady with the bleeding problem for 12 years, it wasn't the hem of his garment that was special, but that was the point of faith for her. If I could just touch that, I know I, he can heal me. And I'm so sick, and I know if, those, if, if the elders of that church would just put some oil on me and just pray over me, I know that, man, the Lord can use that to heal me. And he can, absolutely. He still does that stuff. That's what the disciples were doing. They're like carrying around like a jug of Costco uh, olive oil with them. And they're like, all right, here's, you get sick. And they're just dumping it on the people. And there's a ton of medicinal things, elements to olive oil as well. I mean, there's some practical elements to that. It was used back then to treat you know, wounds and sores and things like that. So it's very practical, very common sense stuff. But they also know like we anoint them with oil, we pray over them, and the Lord was blessing them as they were just obedient. They were just obedient. When you leave here, you drive home and you drive through your neighborhood, you pray. You just pray. Pray for your neighborhood. And then you pray like, okay, Lord, do you want me to open up my home? Or do you want me to be a leader? Then you just start praying about that. What I want to do is just be true to what the word says. And if Jesus took his disciples out and he showed them the crowds and that the harvest is plentiful, well, I want him to show me the same thing. And I think he has. But I want him to show you that same thing. And then I want us to react like kind of how he was telling the disciples. So the harvest is plentiful. Well, now we need to pray for the laborers. So let's, I want to, I want to honor that. And I want to pray for the laborers. But then there is that third element where it's like, okay, well, now you go and you do it. You don't just wait for somebody to miraculously show up in your neighborhood to host a small group or a life group or whatever you want to call them. Because maybe the Lord's put the burden on your heart so that you're the one who steps up and says, you know what? I want to do that. I want to do that. So uh, I, I honestly, um, and man, I've been wrestling through this for, for a while now, um, but this text, uh, at this moment, in this time, I don't think it was a coincidence at all that the Lord, and then to show me uh, back in Matthew, I'm like, okay, Lord, I really think you're trying to tell me something, and I'm pretty dense, but I think that's what he wants us to do. And so I'm just asking that you guys be praying about that. These are exciting times, and the harvest is plentiful. Make no doubt about it. No mistake with it. The, the harvest is absolutely plentiful. And we're praying for laborers. Well, the laborers are in the room. So now all we need to do is just go. Hope to the hopeless, hopeless.
Thanks for joining us today here on Bread for the Broken with Pastor James Grizzle. We're walking through the Gospel of Mark, one of the accounts of Jesus' life while he was here on the earth. Mark offers unique perspectives on this time, emphasizing Jesus' servanthood to the people that he met. Jesus loved practically, often, and with everyone. What a kind and humble servant we get to serve. If you need to hear this message again or you'd like to catch up on previous teachings, visit our website at breadforthebroken.com. Once you're there, simply click on the Listen tab and feel free to explore the variety of verse-by-verse, chapter-by-chapter Bible teachings. Bread for the Broken is a ministry of Calvary Galveston. And if you're ever in the Galveston area, we would love to have you come visit us. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. for a time of worship and Bible study. Our Thursday night Bible study starts at 7 p.m., and you're welcome to come join us for both. Our atmosphere at Calvary Galveston is relaxed, so feel free to come just as you are. For more information, visit our website. Once again, that's breadforthebroken.com. You can get directions there as well. We're excited to meet you and spend some time worshiping with you. That's all the time that we have for today, but we're so glad that you listened in to hear from God's Word. We encourage you to read ahead in the book of Mark and to gear up for what's ahead in this New Testament book. There's so much to learn, so much to know about Jesus. So make plans to join us again, right here on Bread for the Broken. Let me paint the picture of you.